was going to Guizhou, you know, I was always communicating on WeChat. I'd been on WeChat almost the whole seven years. I was in China. So, you know, this was a way I'd try and meet people. Um, and usually Chinese would want to connect with you, you know, like you're a foreigner and maybe it was to improve their English. I'm not sure if it was just that, though. I think I think they're just really curious, you know, like it was exciting to meet a foreigner. So anyway, this is what I would do regularly, uh, communicate. And somehow I connected with someone in Guizhou. I don't recall how I did that. I mean, obviously you can do it through WeChat, but I don't know how I came across this girl. And uh, she uh, said, oh, that we could meet in the capital city there, which I'm forgetting the name uh, of Guizhou, and, uh, and that she could show me around a little bit. She wanted to know where I was going to be staying, so she knew where to meet me. And uh, I told her the name of the hotel. And I think I even sent uh, the reservation that I had to show her. She ended up getting to the hotel earlier than me. You know, I had to fly in connecting flights and she was driving. I think she was from another part of Guizhou and she was going to be driving to the capital city to uh, meet me or take me for a tour or something. There wasn't any sort of money, though. It was just like more like a friend thing. And what happened? She just, uh, I got to the hotel and this was, a, I, I, if you recall, I visited Guizhou twice. I'd been there before. And so this is how I'd, you know, I'd done all the work to figure out the best hotel to stay at, not far from the train station and all this. So this was my second time at the same hotel literally only a week later. So I'd been there the previous weekend. And because I'm a foreigner, you know, I stand out wherever I go and people try and help you. And so I did get to know some of the girls on the front desk. And so when I got there, I just said, you know, showed them my passport and everything. And they just said they didn't have, oh, the room that I booked, I think, yeah, because I had my reservation that it was actually taken. And um, and they were kind of surprised that I didn't know that. And I go, taken, I don't understand. And said, yeah, it's been taken by someone who said they knew you or something. <laughs> and I go, what? And, and they said, yeah, well, we're gonna have to put you in this other room, which wasn't quite as good. <laughs> so I had, um, so I was booked into this other room and so I was in that room and I was trying to, yeah, I knew I was supposed to be meeting the girl at the hotel and I was, you know, started getting on WeChat and communicating with her and said, well, where are you? And she said, at your hotel. I go, what? And she said, yeah, we're waiting for you. <laughs> I go, well, where are you? And she said she was in my room. And I go, what? And so I said, how'd you get in my room? You know, like this was just pretty shocking. And so I said, well, you mean like the original room I booked? And she said, yeah, you know, I showed them your reservation thing. And I go, oh, you did? And and I was shocked that they'd let her 
just let her in just like that. I said, don't you have to show a passport or something? And so, you know, I just went to meet her. So I go to that hotel room and, and she, and she had brought a girlfriend and they were both in bed in the room I was supposed to have. And it was just bizarre. Going, what the hell is going on here? So I, I went to the front desk and like, I don't get it. Like you gave my room to these two girls and they said, I don't really know them. Like I'm just contacted the girl on WeChat. And I thought we we're going to go for a, you know, like some kind of uh, tour. She was going to show me part of the city and like, how'd you let her in? And, and uh, they said, well, she showed the reservation. So we assumed that, you know, you had okayed it or something. And I said, well, didn't, don't you have to, you know, provide the password, prove that it's the person? I guess not. So it was because I'd shared, you know, and I guess it was too much to share <laughs> the actual booking of the hotel. But I never imagined for a million years you could just take my room like that. And I just said, well, I don't know, you know, and so I don't know, there's some kind of miscommunication and with this girl and i just went well i don't feel comfortable with this so i think they the hotel said well you know we can't tonight but i think they did something to so that the girls had to leave the next day and so it was just a bizarre thing because i thought don't I have to show my passport you know to it doesn't anyone have to or show identification to get a room but no apparently not man that was bizarre to go to your room and there's two girls laying in the bed so because she'd brought her girlfriend so i don't know she thought it's some romantic thing or what but there's definitely some kind of bizarre communication thing that went on there and uh so i don't think i even i think there's a bit of a falling out over this incident because I never did see her. I just said, oh, there must have been miscommunication. And I just felt uncomfortable over the whole thing. And uh, yeah, so that was a bizarre little story that I could think of. I, well, they had expected to stay the night. I don't know. They thought they were. I don't know if they thought I'd invited them to stay the night with me or what. It was weird. It was some kind of communication. Like she was just asking the hotel I was staying at. And I had that reservation thing. And I did, I guess that was a stupid thing to do to share that much information, but I never imagined it would it would cause this kind of issue, that's for sure. Um, yeah, no, she didn't. Yeah, no, I don't recall any clear coming on to me. Um, 
I mean, there wasn't even, I mean, the two of them were in this double bed. There wasn't it was like, there's as if we're, you know, I was supposed to be the third. I don't know. But yeah, it was just strange. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, no, I have other stories about meeting people um, that are a bit short. Like this was normal. This might sound bizarre, but this is part of the thing about China. You know, you're a special here. I'm an older white male and I come to a city and like this would happen. I'd go on my own in China and I don't know Chinese and I'd have to figure out how to navigate. And the one thing I did, like here's a practical lesson, is the Apple iPhone, the Apple Maps feature works in China. And so I specifically bought an iPhone because I originally didn't have an iPhone when I went to China. And people told me about, you know, Apple Maps works in China. And so I bought my whole next phone was an iPhone just because of that feature. And it was, it was awesome. I could tell like which buses to get and so on. Everything was in English. So I could go to a completely alien Chinese city I'd never been to before. And I could use my Apple iPhone, you know, to navigate, get around, figure out which bus to take to get to where I wanted to go. So I would use these features and then I'd get to a city and invariably run into someone. Um, I remember another, what place was that? Oh, this was, um, oh, Guangzhou, this giant city. I went and visited Guangzhou once and I was on my own. I think this was during the Dragon Boat Festival because uh, this big celebration of the Dragon Boat Festival in Guangzhou, and it's a giant city. It's like, you know, 10, 15 million or something. And um, and I remember wandering around. I've been there, I think, a couple days and just walking through this park. And I said, there's a couple of Chinese girls sitting on a bench, one knew English, and she said something to me. And and so we just started a bit of a conversation. And and then, you know, she said, oh, well, we're, we're visiting Guangzhou, too. They were from a neighboring city. And she was there with her girlfriend, and I, they lived in different places, but near Guangzhou. And so they were wandering around. And and so she just, yeah, I think she just invited me to accompany them. And so then they became kind of my tour guides. And so they took me out for dinner and showed me different places, different foods, and uh, yeah, and we had just had a great time together. So this kind of thing would happen all the time. <laughs> Heaven for an older white guy. And like this, yeah, this was just normal. So I this happens so often. I This is what I mean. As I said earlier, I just felt like I could go anywhere in China. And, you know, if I and I'd have my Apple iPhone with maps, which would help a lot. But I'd likely, you know, run into someone who would take me for a tour or show me or whatever. So and often like I'm just using WeChat, right, like talking to people. And you did have a feature where you could tell how far away people were. And so you just get into these conversations. And so I met different people that way, just total strangers and would meet them. 
and they were always wanted to, I think they're just curious. And it was just very cool to come across a foreigner because you didn't see many, right? This is in Shanghai. This is in Beijing. These are places where, like, you're, I'm trying to think, in Guizhou, in the capital city, did I ever see another foreigner? I don't think I did. I was used to this, so this didn't scare me. Like, I mean, it's pretty hard to think of another place in the world that's like that, where you can just go step in there. There's everyone, very few people speak your language. It's Chinese, and Chinese is the hardest language to learn in the world. Everything's in Chinese characters. It's like you don't have a clue what they say. <laughs> and yet I would end up in these places alone with my iPhone and its maps. And I could be pretty sure to run across someone who would help me out with something, you know, or, or take me on a journey or whatnot. And I was always open to that. You know, it was never highly organized. I just get the basics down. I'll stay here and when I'm there, and well, maybe I'll check this park out and whatnot. And so I would do this on my own. And so Guizhou, there's a couple girls there. There was also, uh, no, Guangzhou. That story was about Guangzhou. But in Guizhou, yeah, I met a couple girls there too. And what was it? I went cycling. Um, I went to this. It was sort of the other end of the city and a park I'd heard about, you know, because I'm forester guy, right? So I'm always looking for a sort of nature type of park. So I went to one of those and I was walking through this park and these couple Chinese girls were walking by and one was like looking over me, just staring at me again. And it's like, holy smoke, you know, another one of these was just staring at me. Because I'm just guessing that, you know, you didn't see many foreigners. And I ended up, you know, we ended up, we were touring around the same park and visiting different sites in the park. And we ended up in the same building. And we just, and it turned out this girl knew English. So that's part of it too. It's like, maybe it's a chance to practice my English. And so we just started talking. And what was it? I had... Um, it was something about cycling. I think that's why I was in that area. I want to go cycling. And I'd read that there was a bike rental place and I hadn't heard of one or come across one anywhere else. And I told, so I talked to these girls and I said, so that was one of my first questions. Do you guys know where the cycling place is? You know, and they go, no, never heard of it. And I said, well, I heard there's some really interesting trails around here. And they go, really? They didn't know. And they were from the Buyi minority, which I hadn't even heard of. That's B-U-Y-I. And they were sisters. And so, one, were they both going to university? I think they both were going to university, but different universities. And... Anyway, they just said, well, why don't you come with us? And again, they treated me to this, you know, big lunch dinner thing. And we had the local traditional food and, and, you know, they were just really sweet. And so we had ate together. And then I said, well, 
you know, do you, are you interested? You want to try the cycling? They said, sure. That's what they wanted. They said, yeah, we'll do it. And, and so then we started searching around and they started asking, we went to different places. Do you know where you can rent a bike? And so I followed these girls around and we found the place and we rented the bikes and then, you know, and we got a map of the trails. There's all these trails through a park and we went cycling in the park for the day. And uh, yeah, and that was a lot of fun. So, so just another experience of just going on my own to some place and coming across people. And it just, if I went, you know, if I'd not run into these two girls, I would have never found this bicycle rental place. I would have never found the trails. So and they didn't know about it, so they were pretty thrilled that about this, you know, uh, trails and that you could rent the bike. And it was something they were interested in, and so it worked out well for both of us. So we just had a really good time, good day together. There's this whole reputation in China, like foreigners, you know, all foreigners are handsome almost, especially if you're white. It's almost like every white foreigner is handsome. And they'll even talk about features in your face. Oh, your nose is like this. Like they talk like this, right? It's like I've never heard people talk like this, like something beautiful, maybe about your face that Chinese don't have, you know, like a shape of the face or or something like that. And And of course, the skin, always the skin, the light skin. So that is, you know, they see it as attractive, handsome. And I was told more than once, you know, that I was handsome. And I heard that so often, like it would just be, it would be like, it's not something a, uh, a 20 something year old woman would say to an older man in Canada, almost ever, you know, they might, but it'd be pretty rare. I mean, and yet it would happen in China. You definitely felt like looks are a big thing there uh, for women and men, especially women, of course. So looks were a really big deal. And I was constantly told how handsome I was, you know, even by guys, you know, young guys would tell me this. And just another little story popped into my head is, Again, this whole police state mentality, I keep coming back to it because I'm picturing, I'm trying to imagine the image most people from the West have of China as police state. And once you say police state, I don't know, you think of chains and restrictions and people following you and all this, and it's none of that. <laughs> uh, like to give you a story and then security and so anyway, this is when I was at Nanjing Forestry University and I had my assistant and we had to get, I'm trying to remember what it was. We had to get a photograph of me, like a, a quality photograph taken for some kind of card. I don't know. If, yeah, I don't remember what the card was for, but my assistant took me to a photographer and you know, and it was a professional type of shop and and they they took the pictures and then, you know, electronically and then they, you know, put them on the computer there and they're looking at the picture. I think it was for a presentation I was giving. 
at a uh, a conference or or at another university but it was some kind of it was an identification thing it i do remember that because this is what shocked me is that i'm thinking the police state you know you want to make sure everything's right and the picture is right and it properly captures what you look like and so on but here they took this picture it's on the screen and you know he already told me i was handsome and he said, well, we can make you more handsome. <laughs> and so they did like played with the computer and edited the picture to make me more handsome, you know, give me more hair. And so it was that changed the way slightly of how I looked. And I'm thinking, this is bizarre here. I'm thinking it's like has to be the security photo where it has to capture exactly what I look like so that people can, you know, check it make sure it's my id if i and i'm carrying it but here they were altering the picture and this was the picture that was put on this whatever identification thing that i had this edited picture of me and this was them suggesting it to me both him as my assistant and the person working there you got a sense that this is what they did this was part of getting your picture taken it's like jazz up the picture to make you look even better. Like you really got a sense of that look. Looks were really important for everyone. Another example is when I was doing a presentation at another university. So this is after I'd found out that my second contract, you know, I had a year long contract and it was renewed for just for another year. And so it was in the second year, I'd found out that they weren't gonna renew it anymore, right? And so, uh, so I was trying to see if I could get a job in another university. And my vice dean, Young, uh, was trying to help me. So he was calling around and trying to find a, a job for me, you know, like this, he went this far uh, to help me uh, get a job so he found a university and and we strategized and everything of like how to make a grand entrance so he said oh no you have to show up in a black car we have to get you a driver and all this stuff <laughs> but uh and he said you have to uh and we're gonna make a poster about the talk you're gonna give and like they were doing this big poster. This was kind of basically for an interview. It wasn't a conference, actually. It was an interview. And so, but they created this big poster. And I, and they kept saying, we need a picture of you, you know. And I said, well, I have this one and this one. I showed them. They go, no, this isn't right. This isn't capture you right. You don't look so good here. And no, you need to get another picture, you know. So I, and this became a real pain in the ass for me. I'd spent all my time sort of doing the abstract for this poster, which as a Western academic was normal, right? Like make sure I get the title right and, and the abstract. And these guys never even asked about that, never really looked at it from what I recall. Their big thing, it was him and another professor, I see there was more than one person, or I think maybe it was a professor and my assistant both saying, Mark, you need to get a picture. And I kept putting it off. I kept going, what the hell? A picture's not important. It's like, it's the, you know, information. And so I'm kind of 
I don't know. I'm, I'm not big <laughs> pictures. And, and I just didn't, I just kept poo-pooing it. And I, and the, in the end, they kind of read the ride back to me and just said, Mark, you pay attention. You know, you need to get a good picture. This is important in China kind of thing. And so this picture thing was, it seemed like the most important thing, the picture for this poster rather than the ideas, and the title and all this stuff that I was focused on as a Westerner. And this is just more and more evidence, uh, repeatability in science, I guess, reliability of the importance of pictures. I already talked about weddings. You're taking pictures potentially a year ahead of your wedding and you're using a professional photographer and so on. You know, that job interview, they really wanted a picture. Uh, this happens so often that, you know, I realize it, it's like everything, you know, to, just to look good. And I don't know, something in the culture to really look good. And and they they just thought, you know, Westerners are really handsome. They talked about your facial features, as I said, uh, like I've never heard anyone talk and it was almost like a language uh, in China, like everyone understood each other when they talked about, oh, but your nose is like this and whatnot. And it was like I didn't I was like this incredibly handsome guy to them and I didn't appreciate it. almost, <laughs> And I just kind of dismissed it. One of the things I tried to help. Um, Chewy, I think it was. Shiwei, Shiwei, so S-H-I-W-E-I -E is how you spelt his name. That was the professor who helped me line up at the bank. So this is a professor in the department who helped me a lot with lining up, very kind. And his, he, I went with his family to a rural town to visit his mother, if you recall that story. Same guy, Shiwei. And so one of the things I tried to do to pay him back for all his incredible patience and help and kindness was to help him uh, refine his CV because he was applying for a research program at University of British Columbia in Western Canada. And he just wanted help with how to create a really good CV. And one of the things right away that I discovered, like that he wanted is with picture, he was asking the picture on the CV and I go picture on the CV. So here's the interface between West and East, right? To me, I'm just like my face crumpled up, right? I go picture, what, you know, what are you trying to do? Like first I'm thinking bias, like, you know, we don't do that in the West. You shouldn't be selecting people based on their looks or their gender or whatever you can see in that picture. And so to put a picture on a CV, which is classically associated with academia professors, that's like, that's the antithesis of what you should be doing, you know? It's about the information. It's about the publications. Make sure you record those. You sure as hell don't put a picture on there. So I remember having that discussion, and for him, apparently in China, it was normal. You just put your picture there. That was just accepted. That's what they do. 
And so that how I helped him is say, no, if you want to, you want to look professional. I think even the whole idea of looking professional was almost kind of alien. Uh, I do recall that as another theme as this whole idea in the West of professionalism. Uh, I don't think it's a strongly held view or part of their culture. And so I would say, no, if you put a picture, like in my Western mind, that that makes your whole CV Mickey Mouse. Like people aren't going to take you seriously if you put a picture there. You know, it's like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, putting a little bunting on your, on your CV or something. You just don't do it. You want it to be serious, focus on the ideas. You don't have a picture. Like what the hell is that? So my advice to him is that, no, you want to look professional. So I'm telling him this, and he doesn't know, my recollection is that he didn't know a lot about that concept of looking professional or the importance of it, like I did. And so I said, no, you want to look professional, so you shouldn't, and a picture in the West, we don't consider would be professional. And uh, so don't put a picture. And so that was how, one of the ways, minor ways, I helped him. But I helped him write it up and so on. And so that was another issue of picture. So anyway, yeah, it was really fascinating. This to look good, to look handsome was a big deal. No one would approach you if they didn't know English. That's for sure. They're very shy about that. Most Chinese are shy about even if they know English, they're afraid they're not going to, you know, pronounce it right. And they're right to be afraid because often the pronunciation is wrong because Chinese teachers taught them English. And so the pronunciation is off, you know. And so most Chinese were pretty shy. So you'd often be um, surprised to find out that someone knew you just assume that no one knew English, but you'd find out later that a lot more people knew English than you realize. They were just too shy to talk to you. So I'm guessing from that, the kind of girls that might approach you were ones that had some confidence in their English, you know, and a reasonable command of their English. And they always wanted to improve it. So part of it was like, I think there was a fascination. It was probably the number one thing. And improving my language skills might be another and then there was you know he's a handsome guy <laughs> so so yeah that's all i could think uh but you know these girls were a lot younger um i think one was married and the other but i did have there were some funny things where some of the young girls would say something as if I could be a potential boyfriend, you know? I did hear stuff like that sometimes, and I just, it just hit me really weird. I just go, yeah, why'd you say that? You know, I wouldn't say that to them, but it, they just say something that no girl, like no girl would ever say to an older man with that kind of age difference. And, uh, and it made me think it was almost like they were, trying to say you know trying to say that we had things in common in a way 
it felt like they were talking almost like as if we could be a couple almost. So that would be surprise me, you know, that kind of conversation. Yeah, looks is a big deal. And and I did get a sense of every foreigner is, I think they thought every girl was beautiful too, foreign girl. But the problem is foreign girls, I would hear a story about the foreign girl, female teachers feeling really lonely because the guys are not that assertive, right? And they would be intimidated by a, a foreign English-speaking girl. So most of them won't approach them. And, you know, the girls, I heard a few stories like this from foreign English-speaking girls saying they were jealous of the guys, right? Because we got lots of attention from the girls. Uh, but they didn't get any such attention. And they might be interested in a Chinese man. Um I mean, I didn't hear overwhelmingly because they were used to a more assertive Western kind of male, but they were never approached like they never have a guy approach. So, yeah, I do think it's a definitely advantage to be male, a white male in China. And that brings us to a close of another episode of The Maple Dragon, the seven year long chronicles of a Canadian professor in China. Get early access, bonus episodes, and more inside Mark Robson's community at themapledragonpod.com. Join us every Monday for a new episode. Till next time, take care of yourself. Goodbye.